will try. So I'm just kidding. We need some good competition now. Anyway, so I Steve is not here tonight. He has a love season birthday right now. Um, but I get to speak, so that's exciting. But have you guys ever been in a moment where you've maybe walked out into public and you because of maybe how you dressed or you haven't showered in two weeks or whatever it might be, that you are like, I really hope I don't run in into anyone that I know, right? Has anyone ever been in that place? Just me. Okay, I can go with you. I was there. Well, this happened to me when I was around 14 years old. I wasn't out in public. I was actually in the safety of my own home. But I was home with strep throat. And my whole family was at work or at school, and I had to stay home from school. But during that process, there was a rope construction happening at my little small town, and they burst a water main, and so the entire town had the water shut off. And so I had to make some really tough choices at that moment. Was I going to shower, or was I going to make my family laugh? And that, that's a big life choice at 14 years old. And so I chose, of course, to make a scene. And so I'm sitting there eating my mac and cheese, home alone, and they let school out because there wasn't any water and so I was waiting for time for school to get here so that I would have somebody to hang out with. And I hear a knock at the door and I'm like, that's weird. So I answer it, kind of forgetting what I look like. And I'm sitting there with my bowl of mac and cheese and of course, the person who's at the door is this guy that went to my church that everyone had a crush on. You know the guy. And everyone had a crush on him and I was like, this is so normal. So he notices me. And then I realized that I hadn't showered, I had mac and cheese in my teeth, and I had a squeaky little voice because of strep throat. It was so embarrassing. But sometimes, you know, we like look, we like kind of put somebody up as like on such a pedestal in our minds that we're so nervous. What if they see my flaws? What if they see my like things that aren't perfect about me? And we, we put them on that pedestal and that's just what they insecure about us. And that happens in our relationship with God, too. And God is perfect. We don't need to put him on a pedestal. He's already there. But a lot of times we walk into our relationship with God thinking, like, what if he saw a real me? What if he saw a real unshowered, like, strep throat mac and cheese owner? And would he like that? Like, would he be proud of me? And so tonight I'm going to be talking about how Jesus, basically, when we walk through imperfections in our life, when we walk through sin, Jesus doesn't go, which is good news, because you're pretty ghosted before with sin, and it feels really icky, but God does not ghost you, and you, if that's the only thing you walk away from in this room tonight, I, that would be a good thing to walk out with. He does not leave me. He doesn't forget about me. He doesn't ignore me. He goes with me. So we're going to open up in our Bibles in the book of Mark, um, Mark chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles at the angel table for free, and if you don't own one, just take it with you. It's I love free things. One time I went on a road trip, and my friend and I had this rule that we were going to find every single free thing that we could possibly find, and we did. And then we ended the road trip with, like, five pounds of free garbage. Anyway, <laughs> this is not garbage, though, because it's the word of God, and it's free, and you can take it. Anyway, so Mark chapter 5, I'll just give a little precept on how it translates. So where this is picking up is the disciples, Jesus' disciples, are hop on a boat. And they go across the Sea of Galilee, which is a very big body of water. And they are in the sea, and at that night, the, a huge storm picks up in the water. And the, Jesus is sleeping in the boat. The disciples are freaking out. 
But that's what we do with sin in our life sometimes. We act like it's we're like tethered to something that's permanent. But in fact, it's just a super little Nalgene water bottle. And if he really wanted, he could choose to make that first step to Jesus. And Jesus is the one that frees us. And we'll talk about that in a second. We don't free ourselves, but we have the choice. It's not like you are not cemented into this thing. You have the choice with just a Nalgene water bottle. The second thing that we can shift our perspective with is that Jesus will never run or hide from us. He will never run or hide from us. That is good news. I love that. And I want us to imagine just like if it helps you to close your eyes or whatever, just imagine what it was like to be. Because I don't think you could actually imagine what it was like to be Jesus because he's the son of God. And I'm just not going to, I can't put myself in your shoes. But imagine what it was like to be a disciple. Like, I could wrap my mind around them. But you just got off this boat. You were in a massive storm. You might be seasick. You get off the boat in this foreign land that you're not really comfortable with, but you're ready to get off and just, like, stand on solid ground and relax for a second. Because you had a really long night. And they get off the boat, and they're rowing, and all of a sudden, this man from the tombs comes running, and later we find out that he wasn't clothed. So forgive me for, like, a naked man is running at them who has cuts all over his body and is screaming. And he's coming out of tombs where dead people live. Can you just imagine that for a second? And then imagine with me, like, what your response is. And I know you're probably way more holy than I am. You're like, oh, immediately I look and be like, oh, I have so much compassion on this guy. What must he have, like, what brought him to this point? I just can't imagine. I am going to stay here and let my feet get wet. No. Maybe you're not, maybe you are better than me, but compassion would not be the first feeling that comes to my mind when I would see this picture of somebody running at me. Like, I'm tired. Even on a, if I had a good night of sleep, I probably wouldn't react well. I'm going to be honest. You may not want to listen to me after this. I would probably be back in the boat rowing across the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> just like waiting for another storm to happen. That would be me. And whoever got to the boat would get to the boat. And whoever didn't, see ya. <laughs> probably not good. But let's be honest. This is freaky. But what does Jesus do, the Son of God do, the most holy, perfect person that ever walked this earth? What does he do? He stays. He doesn't run from this crazy thing. And he went through the storm too. Jesus will never run and he'll never hide from us. And even this man was like as far away from Jesus as you could probably get, right? And if you like put it into cultural perspective, he was unclean. First, he was a Gentile and Jews didn't associate with Gentiles. Second, he was living in tombs and Jews weren't allowed to go in tombs and be around dead bodies or let alone somebody that lived in one. And he also was possessed by a demonic spirit, and he has hidden himself. Like, these are a lot of really good reasons to not want to be around him. But Jesus chose to wait for us. He didn't run back to the boat. He waited. And what I love about that is that it tells me about God's character, is that we don't have to clean ourselves up and be perfect to follow the feet of Jesus. You do not have to clean yourself up and be perfect to come to Jesus. In fact, he'll take every part of you, and he won't let you stay that way. He, he accepts us as we are and changes us into who he created us to be. And I love that about our God. A 
James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Sometimes we look at like when we mess up, like we're walking on this road with Jesus, right? And then I make a bad choice and I walked in the opposite direction. And now I'm five miles down the road and I have an aha moment and I realize, why am I here? What am I doing? I need to go back to Jesus. And we think in our heads, like, I got to walk five miles back and hope that Jesus didn't move from the spot that I left him. But that's not what happens with God. When we draw near to him, his promises that we, he draws near to us. Like, he meets us there. And that's great news, isn't it? Because we, sometimes we get down some crazy path and we have no idea how to get back to where we were originally. But God has promised us when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. It's not a command to draw near to him, it's a promise. I think of this parable that Jesus told to, um, to his disciples about a shepherd that had a hundred sheep and one ran away. And so that shepherd left the 99 together because they were together and they weren't vulnerable when they were alone. And he left the 99 to go find this one sheep. And when he finds the sheep, the Bible doesn't say he like picks the sheep and says, what on earth are you doing? Why are you, you're so irresponsible. Why did you go away? Like, don't you know that's bad for you? And like, he didn't pick the sheep. The Bible says that the shepherd, who is Jesus, joyfully picks up the sheep, puts them on his shoulders and walks them back to Jesus. That's a different picture of God than sometimes we have, is it not? God, when, when you draw near to him, he's not going to just shame you and say, what, what were you thinking? He's going to joyfully pick you up and restore you back to that fellowship with him. And I, one thing I noticed about the story is that why on earth do you think Jesus was going across the Sea of Galilee to a group of people that Jews didn't want to associate with? It's so interesting to me that this Jesus didn't expect this man that if you really want to be restored, you're going to have to figure out a way to cross the Sea of Galilee to come find me in my home. No, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, and all he expected was this man to run to and find him. And that is the God that we serve. He is always seeking and searching to restore the lost. The third perspective change that we can have is when we come to Jesus, he will come. Jesus immediately cast the demon out of this man when he ran to him and, and knelt at his feet. Jesus cared for him. And sometimes we look at our life's problems and we're like, Jesus, why can't you fix this? Or like, just think about it. If you, this man was, had cuts on his body and he was naked, if Jesus would have just said, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to put some clothes on you and then you can get dressed. I'm just, I want to get comfortable, like, I'm uncomfortable with this, so I'm going to make myself comfortable. We're going to get to a place. Like, that's not what Jesus did. And he didn't just say, like, okay, we're going to bandage you up. We're going to, you know, clothe you, and then we're just going to let you go back and hope that this makes a difference. No, he found the root of the problem. This man had a demonic impression in his life, and he cast that out before he clothed him and, and covered the surface problem. And sometimes we want God just to take care of, like, the annoyances in our life or the things that aren't really truly the root of the issue, but he cares so much for you that he wants to take care of the root problem. And that, to me, is a cause for celebration. See, Jesus is always going to love and he's always going to care for us. And so what happens when um, 
basically all of, like Jesus casts out the demon from this man and all of the people in the town realized what something had happened um and so they came to him in verse 15 it says when they came to Jesus they saw the man who was possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind now like this guy lives in this town right so he was somebody's guy or he was somebody's bro and they knew he was out there living in the town could you imagine running up and seeing like your best friend's brother or your brother all of a sudden you thought he was like a lost cause and he's sitting there clothed in his right mind wouldn't that be mind-boggling and Jesus, I just love that Jesus didn't just like fix the problem and say, all right, go find some clothes, go clean yourself up. I'm done with you. Like I got the root. Like he actually cared about their friend too. And I just like, as I was preparing for this, I just feel like some of you feel like maybe Jesus doesn't like care about something small in my life. Or there's, like, really deep issues, and he just wants me to, like, clean myself up before he can take care of this. Like, that is not who God is. God cares about every aspect of your life. And it's not, he doesn't, like, clean you up to make you presentable so that he can be proud of you. He, like, actually cares about you and wants your life to be good and right. And that's why he changes us. And that's why, like, this man, he changed not just the, the inward state of his life, but he changed the outward state too. And now how crazy, like when we come to Jesus and he changes us, he also redirects us. Now how crazy would it have been if Jesus had just said, all right, well, have a good life. And the guy's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go back to the tomb because that was my home. And you know what? I like kind of created this cute little like desert chic apartment in there and I'm going to go back and now that I'm good, like, my spirit's good, I, I think I can stay out here. How crazy would that be to then go live in a tomb again? No, like, when you, when Jesus frees you from something, don't go back. And sometimes we do that, like, we go back to something because the pain is gone, and so we are like, okay, there was aspects of fun in that thing, or fun in that lifestyle, but I'm going to go back to it because the pain's gone. When Jesus sets you free, in Galatians 5, 1, it says, for freedom Christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery and he's talking about the slavery of sin and sin really does like enslave us doesn't it and why would we when Jesus sets us free why would we walk straight back into what he set us free from in fact he actually asked the man go tell others of God's mercy that he had on your life isn't it incredible like you are a living testimony of God's mercy go tell the world could have the worship team come back up i have two stories that i want to close with tonight the first one is a dear friend of mine um from when i lived in minnesota i she when i met her she had just gotten out of a really abusive relationship um and she was like trying to basically numb the pain with alcohol and it, she was in a really tough place um, and just, like, through getting to know her and um, getting to share Jesus with her, she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And he began to set her free from a lot of the pain that she had in her life. She ended up confessing that she had a, an eating disorder. And God, I, like, literally watched God set her free from that. This is incredible. And, like, her to walk in absolute freedom from that. 
and that she was so content in her relationship with God. And as time went on and um, she just kind of got used to freedom, some of the things that she used to have in her life that were really destructive, she just kind of let that go. And it's really easy to do that. Like when life is good, it's really easy to let things go that aren't good for us. So we don't immediately feel the pain of it. But as she began to like party again and walk back into that lifestyle, like life just got really hard with her. And I watched my two friends who have been walking in freedom walk into bondage again. And it was so hard. And I wish that I like, life moved, like we moved up here and um, I'm not in contact with her anymore, unfortunately, but just like I still pray for her and pray for freedom to be back in her life. And I wish that there was like a better end to that story because that's kind of spooky. But that, I just, I wanted to share that because I just like want to encourage you, if you've been free before, don't walk, if you are free, like don't walk back into bondage. And the second story that I have is actually my dad. And my dad, um, he grew up, his father had passed away when he was six years old, and his mom never remarried, so he grew up in a fatherless home. And um, I, don't, have you, I don't know if you guys have term, heard the term, like, latchkey kid. So basically, like, his mom was an incredible lady, but she had to work a lot. And so he would come home, and he was just alone. And he was, like, really young, like, eight, eight or nine years old, and just by himself and so like there's a lot of trouble that an eight or nine year old can get into when they're just by themselves for a lot of time so he didn't like to be home so he'd just go out and find trouble to do and that's how he grew up anyway um when he got older and my parents got married um there he was an atheist my dad was and he was an alcoholic and drug addict and some people just lo- who love Jesus also love my parents and cared about them. And a long story short is my dad ended up, um, I think just like God spoke to him. I don't really know how to explain it other than like he just realized one day um, after uh, watching a, a movie about Jesus that this whole God thing might be real. And so he started like actually pursuing it. And you guys, God completely changed my dad's life and my mom's life. But when he actually made a commitment, and one, he'd gone to church for like a month, month and a half, and he just one day he's like, I think I'm ready to put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Literally, immediately lost the desire to do it again, which is miraculous. And then God, like looking at it now, like alcohol is physically addicting. What God was doing over the next two months is he like physically weaned my dad off alcohol. And he like slowly just lost the taste for it, and all of a sudden he didn't care anymore. He didn't want it, which is incredible. And watching my dad walk in that freedom and me being able to, like, get the benefit of that, of him deciding, like, I will never go back. Like, I will never go back to that with a straight face. And I just, like, the reason I share those two stories is if you are, like, you're in maybe that state of, like, that thing is like enslaving you and you can't you don't feel like you can get out there is always a way out there is always a way out and you can walk in freedom and I just want to encourage you in that whatever it might be however big or small it is so if I could just have every head bowed and and every eye closed I just have a few questions tonight the first one is if you um, 
Now, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to heal a personal void and save you, that you've never, like this man, fallen at his feet and asked him to save you, and you want to do that tonight, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? all of us will pray together. I know um, some of us have made that commitment, but just pray together after me, everybody aloud. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I accept your salvation and the sacrifice you made for my sins. question is if you have maybe walked in freedom in one time in your life, but um, life has got hard and maybe you slipped back into into some bondage again and you want to be free tonight, would you just raise your hand? This is a signal to God that that's something that you want to change in your life. I'm just going to pray over everyone who raised their hand. Jesus, I just thank you that your word says it is for freedom that you have set us free. And God, I just proclaim that freedom over every individual in this room tonight. Lord, that they would um, fall at your feet tonight and that you would start taking care of the pain and the hurt and, and the bondage that's in their heart. Would people be set free from addictions, set free from sin, set free from, yeah, just any struggle that is plaguing them, God. I just pray that you would set them free in the name of Jesus. The last person is, if somebody has been resisting change in their life because they doubt that God has their best interest in mind, you really don't think that God has your best interest in mind, and you want to, you want him to change that perspective tonight, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Jesus, I just pray over every student, every individual in this room that has doubt that you are good. I just pray that you would speak to them right now, God, that you would reveal even past times where you, your goodness has shown in their life, God. Would you reveal your character and your love for them in the name of Jesus? Amen. As we do this closing song, would you guys just spend some time, um, if you have maybe some sins in your life that you want to confess, confessing them to God or confessing them even to your neighbor or your small group leader, if you want to be set free from, from something in your life, um, I'll be in the back. Our Chi Alpha staff will be in the back. We'd love to pray for you or for anything. But we'll give you that opportunity to be prayed for or to confess anything that you want to confess tonight. Um, and then I'll come back up and close in a little while. Thank you. 